Welcome to the Founder to Mentor podcast. My name is Mike Fada. I'm an entrepreneur with multiple nine-figure exits and a passion for health and mentorship. Join me on a journey where I connect with world-class founder mentors to inspire your personal and professional growth. Let's jump into it. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to have this conversation with Dominique Dubay, co-founder and CEO of Aviv Nutrition. Welcome to Founder to Mentor, Dom. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Can you start off? Do you, do you want to give us an intro on yourself and, and Aviv? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Aviv is a seven years old company. I co-founded it with my wife, uh, Claudia, uh, right after college. So we were 24 years old. Uh, I studied uh, mechanical engineering, so uh, very far from uh, the food industry. My plan was to go and, and just design machines and, and stuff. Like I love to solve mechanical problems. Um, so I did my bachelor's in, uh, in, in engineering and Claudia was more on the caring side of things. She wanted to work in school and, and uh, as a psychotherapist. So yeah, that was that was the plan we had, and uh, and uh, by the end of her of her um, of her school, uh, Claude did a transition to a plant based diet, um, and start reading a lot of book about wellness, and got into yoga, and just just went through that you know transformation, you know, a lot of focus on well being, and and uh, as part of that, she started making like very healthy smoothies every uh, every morning. It was it was sort of a daily routine for her, and it was. Uh, I was lucky because I was just like benefiting from having a great smoothie every day, but there's no way I would see myself doing it, you know, on a, on a daily basis, like she was doing it. At, at some point we're like, this is, this is working for us. It's fantastic, but it's so complex <laughs> to get all the ingredients, the superfood, the hemp seeds, the spirulina, the kale, etc. And so we thought of uh, how can we make this, you know, more easy for us, but also for, for, for people that would like to get into making a smoothie uh, every day. So we start pre-blending uh, all our ingredients and putting them into little ice trays. And um, in the morning, we would just pop the cubes, add our plant-based milk and let it melt on our way to, to, to school and then shake it up. So the idea was like a blender-free smoothie, basically. So in the morning, you literally have nothing to do aside from just popping the cubes. We didn't see it as a business at first. It was just like a project we wanted to try. So we just launched a Facebook page and I uh, said, yeah, is anybody interested with that? And uh, we start getting orders, like just people writing us, yeah, I'd like a bag, I'd like this. And so we start, you know, making them in our kitchen and home delivering them for, uh, for the first month. That was just like home delivering smoothies, like no way, no way making money. <laughs> but um, but it, was a, it, it was a good test because we actually got a little bit of traction, just enough to say like, oh, there's something there. And so um, we rented a small, and, and again, that, that was like, not even like us thinking about starting a business was like a project, but we're like, let's rent a little commercial kitchen tied to a restaurant in Sherbrooke in Quebec and make that, you know, in the meet weekend because there was a more demand on our little Facebook page. And, uh, and, and that grew for the, the first three months like that. And then we said, well, let's hit a grocery store. And so we went and start the, start knocking on grocery stores in the, in our own town and got two, three and, and at some point, like, I think there's something there after like three, four months we're like, uh, let's, 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 let's dive into this full time. Yeah. It's, well, it's amazing that it's it, it, like many natural product businesses started with your own needs, uh, and, yeah. then, and then, and then start to branch out and you find the, uh, find the consumers, uh, that, that are interested as well. 
how did you guys finance the business? It was just personally financed to start. Uh, and I know there's been uh, we'll talk a little bit about the further developments, but it was just your your savings to uh, to start and naturally grew. Or yeah, so the, the first twelve months, it was it was our money. I think we had uh, ten thousand dollars, and my dad lent me ten thousand dollars. So we had like about twenty thousand dollars for the first year, but like we we didn't do much on the first year. It was a lot of just like trial and error and figuring out how to make those smoothie cubes and i think by the end of the first year we were maybe in like 20 grocery stores like it was really slow and really painful first year and uh and yeah the, the second year we uh we raised the we were in an incubator in the in our hometown and we raised from angel from the community and uh, friends and family um $180,000 in a convertible note and uh that you know lasted us for i think the following two years and then a couple of grants from bdc and here and there but that that was the that was the most of it okay and can you talk about kind of where the business is at uh now yeah so from from those 20 doors 20 grocery stores after the first year uh we raised that little round of, of capital hire first employee and uh and and her first distributor and we grew from uh you know, having 20 doors to uh, about 200 on our third year in uh, in Quebec. And then we're like, okay, let's go in Ontario. And so I started making the trips with Chloe in Ontario and knocking on doors and finding distributors. And then we, we grew in Ontario. And then the year after we did BC. So we grew the first three, four years only grocery. And, uh, and then we launched an e-commerce website. And the idea was like, I, I don't, I don't think anybody was doing back then. Uh, frozen food like at scale online in Canada. So we didn't have a lot of expectation for it. We're like, if we can have like a hundred customers there and we can try new innovation with them and just have conversation that we didn't have at retail, uh, would be great. And um, launch our e-commerce website, figured out, you know, the insulating liner and, and dry ice. And a uh, couple of weeks after we were featured on the, the Dragon Dance version of, of Quebec which is download to Dragon. And that, you know, just, just, just blew up. Like we went from a hundred subscribers to like 2000 uh, recurring uh, customers. And so that became an actual uh, business in itself, like 50% of our revenue. And so we started putting a lot of focus on, on e-commerce after that. And the year after we did Dragon's Den, which brought a lot of PR as well. And, and, and then we built some capabilities to invest on Facebook and Google and build a team around that. Um, and, and it's still to this day about 50% of our revenue. And yeah, it's been, it's been great because not only we created that connection with the customers, but we were able to launch a lot of innovation and all the money we poured into Facebook and Google and influencer that were driving uh, e-com sales. It was also helping retailers like grocery uh, sales a lot, like people were discovering us online and then picking up the product in stores and um, the people that would buy online and not repeat the purchase. Like they would churn. They were they were churn churning. Uh, about fifty percent of them, when we surveyed them, they said they said like, well, it's just more convenient for me to buy it at at grocery store. I found your product there. So uh, so it was bringing a lot of new people to to the stores. 
Yeah, I'm sure you guys are a great example of a brand that has done frozen direct to consumer well, because most, you know, refrigerated direct to consumer and frozen, frozen is almost impossible for many, uh, many yeah. brands. But uh, uh, I can see even from your site, the product offering and the uh, and the testimonials and stuff that uh, that it's it's really it's really working. And you guys manufacture or, or Copac or manufacture or a combination? We, we did it. Uh, we did it for. Four years, if my memory is good. Yeah, four years um, in the small little kitchen at first in our hometown. And then we moved to a, uh, an incubator in, uh, in Quebec. It's a great center where you, it's really low cost and they have like hundreds of machineries and you basically pay a fixed rent per month and you have access to all that, all those equipments. And we were there for uh, two years and that really enabled us to grow with very minimal CapEx investment and and then we're at a point where, you know, it was an incubator it was too small. You know, we were doing like night shifts and they were like, OK, guys, you need to get out of here. So um, so it was either we build a facility and raise money for that or find a partner. And we were very, very fortunate to find a, um, a partner that's not a traditional co-packer because they, um, they basically are dedicated to a V like that, that's the only product they, they make. So. We have offices in the building, uh, uh, you know, we, we go there all the time. And so it's really an integrated partnership um, and, and it's, it's been working great. Yeah. You know, similar to uh, Mental Harvest, we had the we yeah. started Food Development Center. Uh, that's why I say one of the great things, at least in Canada, but I think in the U.S. has some as well, like these food centers are attached to universities or sometimes yep. independent and and uh, you can go in there and uh, not always the cheapest, but the, with the means of all the equipment and the technical staff, uh, people yeah. can bring their product to market uh, and then decide after when they get a little more uh, scale. So I know we couldn't have done it without that, uh, without the Food Development Center in Manitoba. Uh, yeah. And you don't know what you actually don't know which machineries, you know, you, you need. Like for us, if we had bought the machineries ourselves initially, we would have thrown them out maybe six months or a year after we bought them. So you sort of have to go through all those trial and errors and figuring out actually what you need before before getting those loans and actually buying the machines. So yeah, it, it's preventing a lot of, 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 of mistakes yeah, for sure. And you guys were uh, establishing yourself in Canada, then you you decided to launch in the in the U.S. How's the U.S. experience? You know, we always founders are always interested yeah. in like the difference if they're a Canadian company they want to go to the U.S. and maybe U.S. fast. But you know, what what, what would you say uh, of some of your learnings as as you've uh, tried to attack the U.S. market? Yeah, so being in Quebec after two years, we're like, okay, we have to go to Ontario, and that was almost getting into another country, like. Um, all our team was French speaking, you know, uh, all our communication or social media, everything was French speaking. So we were, we're talk we're not talking to any uh, Ontarians or any Canadian at, at that point. So we went through that process of having to rethink everything to, to, to work in an English environment um, and, and it worked. And so that gave, gave us the confidence to say, oh, okay, we, we, we can expand in Ontario and have success. Like, Maybe there's a shot for us in, in the US. And, and we had that thought like on, a, on our third year, but we, we paced ourselves uh, <laughs> not to go too, too early. We actually launched on our, um, on our start, start press, the, the, the launch on our sixth year. Um, so it's been about 18 months right now that we're developing in the US uh, from designing the pack, I think the pricing strategy, hiring our first people on there, all our brokers, uh, doing the Expo West. 
And so now we're at a point where um, we've, we've gained decent distribution. Like we're in 3000 point of sales in the US. It's, it's, it went much faster than I thought it would. Uh, so now it's, it's about supporting those, those new doors, uh, building the brand down there uh, with the financial capabilities we have. Like we cannot do uh, Super Bowl ads or anything <laughs> like that. So it's like, how do you support those 3000 doors so that it turns so that we can grow from there? So that, that's where we're at. It's one that's, uh, you know, I always say, how do you, how do you really impact sales in, uh, in, you know, Kansas or, or even if you're in, yeah. Cal- in, in California, great market, but like, you know, if you're not there, if you, if you don't have a, an, an endless amount of money, how do you really t- m- make your brand well known and, and, and get the turns happening in the store? So I don't know if it, it sounds like it's still fresh for you guys. You're still yeah. figuring some of it out, but uh, any, uh, any, any learnings there or any watchouts, I guess, as, as founders are thinking about, uh, you know, making this approach because going national, maybe your approach was to go national and you went across the States instead of, t- instead of targeting kind of one, uh, one region. Well, initially we wanted to be regional and focus our marketing dollars there. And uh, I, I think I, I, one of your chat, uh, I'm not the, the only founder that, that, that went the national route, uh, and change, change, uh, change its plan. But uh, we got an opportunity basically to go with Kroger National, and we're like, I think there's a shot at it to not not focus regionally, but focus w- with a banner, like make it work at, at Kroger and 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 Meyer. We had those two large accounts, so we're like, we're gonna focus our marketing dollar there with their programs. So so basically, do the marketing close to the stores um, and and get the turns. Um, and then with that success story, grow from there and, and build a case for those other, other large banners. Uh, so that's, that's right now is the strategy, put the, put the dollar, uh, close to the banner. Um, cause, cause, cause as soon as you get a little bit more top of the funnel type of marketing, then you have to be national to have an impact on those, those banner. And, and it's, 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 it's crazy expensive, but, I, but I'm curious, like how, how, how did you guys do it? Um, when, yeah, when we it, was so, it was so it was so different, you know, twenty years ago when we we launched uh, um, in the U.S. But but you know our and so I didn't have an approach, but we got lucky that uh, that we had one of the uh, comp- one of the companies in the U.S. that was selling hemp oil, which was our product mm-hmm. at that time. That was had national at Whole Foods uh, stopped selling because they had they had issues uh, bringing it in from Europe, and so Whole Foods came to us and said, "Hey, uh, Spectrum isn't going to make uh, hemp oil anymore. We want to give you this national listing." and uh, and so I, I took that same approach. Said, okay, let's 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 go after this, uh, and because that forced distribution and in, in uh, not as many warehouses of UNFI and distributors as there are now, but uh, yep. you know, across the states. And and, uh, and 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 in fairness, then the, the reason that I, I tell founders to watch out is because we had challenges. You know, some mm-hmm. regions uh, were selling really well, uh, and then others weren't selling at all. And, and I learned the hard way saying, you know, how, how do you impact sales in Florida if you don't have a, a, an unlimited marketing budget or sales budget? Um, and so we, you know, at first we're threatened to lose some accounts, but fortunately um, hemp was still really early and, and the accounts wanted to support it. So they probably gave it a little more time because uh, it took us it took us a good six or seven years in the U.S. to actually um, become a a brand that maybe even was uh, was well known and, and sought after, uh, maybe even closer to ten years before it was really at uh, at proper scale, just because it's it's such a large market. Being 10, 10 of Canada or something, you know, yeah, 
I think the approach nowadays, I always say like, you know, let's pick a region uh, because you can not only your spend, but, you know, if you're in if you're in Quebec or you're in Ontario, you can go to uh, to the northeast and literally drive mm-hmm. there and make friends yeah. in the stores and understand the the differences in that market uh, and maybe support that with direct to consumer or or online if your product uh, is shippable through Amazon or something. But are, are you, you guys are doing uh, are you doing direct to consumer as well in the U.S.? Yeah, that, that was an initial thesis because it was working well, you know, the omni-channel approach in, in Canada. So we launched an e-commerce uh, at the same time as a retail distribution, but we were basically spending so much on acquiring customer online. Like the cost acquisition was was like triple the one in Canada that sure, like you get those customers, you get the sales, but it, 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 yeah, basically there was no way it was going to be profitable and fueling enough traction at retail to, 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 to be worth it. So we actually... We actually shut it down a couple of months ago and fo- and they decided to focus um, with a retailer. Um, and we were also battling on four fronts, right? We, we had like Retail Canada, DTC Canada, Retail US, DTC US, which are fundamental four different businesses with four different teams. And so it, w- it was just too much, like too much to support. Like the logistic on e-commerce US was didn't have the proper focus. And so... Our, or uh, our success rate of delivering a frozen box was 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 bad. Uh, so yeah, all those all those reasons were like okay, um, let's let's focus our dollar at store level. Yeah, yeah. But we're gonna go get back at it at some point. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's and well, even in the iOS, uh, the ad changes. I know yeah. they change that cost to acquire for mo- most of you see brands, and then and then you're if you can't hold on to that customer or or you're just driving them to to uh, to brick and mortar afterwards then uh, maybe the the focus is uh, is better there you, you touched on it uh, already but dragon's den the impact i guess on 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 getting that chance you know a lot of entrepreneurs are are, are going after it whether it's dragon's den or shark tank and and actually air no. on the on the episode but uh, uh the impact that that had overall on 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 aviv yeah, so the the show in Quebec, uh, I don't know if it's the Quebec culture or the show itself, but people went on the website after we aired and just bought the product. Like, like it just like went crazy. Like the website crashed because there was just just so much traffic, and we got like those two thousand orders within like twenty four hours. So that was like her expectation a little bit coming into dragons then because like you know same amount same level of audience like similar numbers um but it didn't do that at all like we we got maybe i don't know like three three hundred orders instead of two thousand mm. but it's still like we still had the impressions and we, the awareness and um and at store levels like we we launched like federated co-op like in central of uh, Canada and had done like literally zero marketing there. Uh, but when we launched, it was after Dragon's then airing and the velocity were good. Like they, they were actually surprisingly good. So uh, is it attributable to the Dragon's then? Like I strongly believe, believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I did a trip in uh, Saskatchewan um, and I, wa- I was walking the street and somebody recognized me and said, like, hey, it's a dra- dragon guns, dragon uh, dance guy. So I was like, okay, I think, I think that had an impact, but it was, it was not measurable on her. Uh, DDC necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, I think, yeah, the, you're right. The awareness that it generates yeah. is, you know, um, so many more and more consumers nowadays are watching, uh, watching both shows in Canada and the U S yeah. uh, free. Yeah, so it's a no brainer. Like you have to do it. Yeah. There's no question. Like it's, it's, 
get out of here. I always wanted to. We never got never got the opportunity to do it. And then and then by the chance, you know, there was just uh, by the time that we came maybe too big as a as a business when there wasn't the opportunity. But uh, uh, see see the success on on a number of and it seems like more. There's more natural uh, food brands on on Dragons Den and Shark Tank uh, than there ever was before, just because of the industry. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. But Dragons Den was a funny story because because I I wanted to do it, but Claudia like that was a c- couple of years ago, and her English was not so good. Like she she didn't learn it when when she was young. Now she speaks English really well. Um, she she's learned it with a beef, but back then it was not not so great. So she didn't want to do Dragons Den. She's like, there's no way I'm going on. You know not life division, but almost life division in English. And so I was like, yeah, okay, that's fair. So I submit her application, you know, without telling her, I'm like, you know, if we get selected, we're going to have the conversation. And we got selected for the interview. I went without her because I'm like, you know, if we don't get selected, we don't need to have the conversation. So I went to the interview, got selected. And then I told Claude, like, we got selected to Dragon's End. I, I think we should go. And she's like, at first she's like, no, you're going alone. And then she's, she, she just like come to, to the idea and she's like, okay, I'm going to do my pitch, but I, but you answer all the questions. And, uh, and in the end, like she did super well. She actually started answering questions uh, from the dragons on the, on the stage. And it was a, it was a great, uh, a great, great, great moment. And that definitely got her super comfortable doing like television after that and radio in English. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's helpful when you get a positive response, right? I think there's yeah. multiple dragons fighting for the deal. Entrepreneurship's all about scrappiness uh do you, do you have a story uh maybe your your, your scrappiest moment uh, building aviv and so the way we figured out how to make the product at first like make like ice cube trays was just not efficiently it was just like there's no way we could like scale that production method so what what we did for for uh for two years is we were making the smoothie we were pouring that in like uh, plates and freezing it in racks and I had like big knives and I was literally cutting cubes, ice cubes, you know, bare hands. And then, and then you know, shoveling that in, 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 in bags. Yeah. By the end, like I had like wrist problem and like, it was, it was like, it was bad. Like, so didn't buy a machine, you know, just did it by hand for two years. And uh, at a point it's like, if we don't find a way to make this, you know, at a, you know, a bigger scale without needing my, my two hands, uh, we're, we're going to stop. And that's when we had the idea of uh, the smoothie wheel. Uh, cause we faced that wall of like, it's not going anywhere. Um, and so that was probably the, the scrappiest thing we've done. How'd you come up with the idea for the, for the, for the wheel or for the, was that internal? Yes. So we, like I said, like we faced that wall of like, we cannot cut ice cube, you know, by hand, or even we, we there wasn't any machineries to do that. So, uh, like, what would we do? And, and I'm like, well, what if we, what if we sell the x-ray, you know, in, in a recyclable uh, material and we start drawing, you know, some concept. And then we came up with the idea of the circle, which looked like an orange slice and it's really efficient in space. It's really easy to pop them out. Um, it looks great. You know, the, the, the fit with a brand and everything. So we're like, Oh wow. Like when we draw that is like, it was just a haha moment where it's like, that's it. You know, you just know it, you know, it's going to work. It, that was a turning point. Yeah. Yeah. I think with big impact on the brand, cause uh, you know, and you, you guys have, have, have branded it well, but I think that's uh, it kind of sets you apart from others that are maybe trying to do, do something similar. What are your, what are some of your favorite brands to watch? What brands inspire you? Who are you, who are you watching? 
Yeah, that's well. I mean, I mean, in Canada, uh, we're we're sort of a couple of brands that are sort of navigating the same uh, the same phase. I'm sure it was the same for you back then. You're so, you sort of have this this cohort of people that are at the same stage, and you you uh, you exchange with each other. So I talk with a lot with you know uh, the holy veggie guys in Canada, um, midday squares. We see each other in all the shows and. Um, and it's actually like some of your portfolio brand that like Bloom and, um, um, Nut for Cheese is another brand that's sort of a similar stage to us. So, so it's, it's, it's just great to see, to see Canadian brand going to the U.S. and exchanging ideas. And then brands that are further down the road, well, um, Deathwater is an interesting one. Just, just when I see what they're doing, it just, I, I try to think outside of the box, like how can we do marketing a little bit more like provocative and, and different uh so so that that's that's a good one yeah yeah they're making uh, they're making waves uh uh for sure almost a billion dollar uh yeah. to it too being really edgy and you and i chatted about this but i'd, I'd love your perspective on the uh unfounded mentor um thoughts on on personal brands uh and and as an entrepreneur developing a personal brand yeah um well obviously that's that's how we, it started like claudia was so yeah, just to put a bit of perspective, like we're 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 married, Chloe and I, and so we've been in business for seven years together. But uh, together, we've been together for like thirteen years now. And so when we started, we like we're, we were two for the first year, year and a half. So we segmented like a little bit of a role. So she did all the marketing and uh, was doing demos all the time, and uh, uh, started social media. And was the creator of the product, so all the new products, which was a lot into. And I was doing the production, cutting cubes by hand, and uh, and you know all the operation and uh, the finance, even if it was wasn't that complicated at first because we had like twenty thousand dollars <laughs> to manage. But uh, that's how we separated things. So when when we started, Chloe was making all that content and was putting herself forward. So I would say like it's it, it's really 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 helpful in the early days, and then. After like four or five years, um, we tried to um, delegate that. And so Clo uh, hired somebody to take care of social media. And we started to see less and less Clo and me and her, you know, founder story on, on social. And uh, it, it was it was tough to uh, grow the community at that point and to grow engagement. And now Clo came back from maternity leave a couple of months ago and started to get back at creating content and you just see you just see the spike in, in, in engagement like it's, it's just crazy so i'd say like that's what people like that's what a community wants uh that's what we hear it's they want us they want to they want to hear the story a little bit like you know midday squares are, are all about that and that's their that's their angle so i think it, it we needed that trial to experience that you know it's not something we can we can get away with uh we need to be uh, at the forefront yeah yeah, I mean that's that's a great insight to to because uh, you guys did you developed it yeah developed the brand personally and and we're out there and then and then as maybe other founders experience that you get to a heavy level of growth and and you become more corporate if someone else is running it and then and then but people like to buy from people they want to hear the personal story they want that uh, yeah. 
they want that engagement. And you could see great founders out there that are just starting and, and really hitting that hard, uh, uh, not only on their consumer social channels, but uh, e- even business to business and like, who, how, what, what are they doing? Why are they running the business? Um, you know, telling stories about some of the challenges or some of the crazy things that happen as an entrepreneur and, and, uh, and people like that. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I say that's why, that's why reality TV is the, uh, is, is what most of TV is now because people actually want to just, they want to understand other people's stories. Um, yeah yeah i feel i feel it's it's probably always been like that like storytelling like i I think it's just like human nature um we we got to a point where we started to talk a little bit too much about the product because when you're not necessarily the founder creating the content it's it's hard to to have the full picture and actually share a story that's compelling so what do you do You, you talk about the product and and the benefits and everything and it's 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 you know you see once or twice okay the smoothies has fiber and protein but like you're not going to like interact with that content you know on a yeah. daily basis yeah so it becomes it becomes an advertisement instead of a story exactly yeah yeah, yeah. do you have things that you do uh, regular habits or routines that uh, that you believe are are integral to your success and growth personal yeah or yeah personal yeah. Personal, um, or personal or or in, or in the business as well but yeah there's a couple of well yeah, I'll start with personal like rituals that we have, uh, Chloe and I. It's it, the the morning routine is like super key. I'm a big believer of uh, getting up not not like crazy early, but like six a.m. and then um, do my gym in the morning. We we live by a, a little lake, and so I have a cold uh, a cold bath in the morning, um, and then a good breakfast, which is actually a smoothie, and uh, and then we start we start we start our day. We start to work. Um, and then for the, um, and Chloe has a different routine. She's, uh, she's a lot into yoga and meditation more than I am. So she'll, she'll get her yoga almost daily and daily meditation as well, sometimes in her day. So I'd say, I'd say that's key. And then nutrition, like the way we shop for food, you know, we go in the organic store, you know, all the time and we try to cook as much as possible. Like it's not perfect and we don't do a routine like daily because sometimes we travel or whatever, but, uh, if we can hit as much as possible, those, those, those key points, like, we feel good. Stressable is down, and we have we have good days. Yeah. And then for the business, a good ritual that we that we've implemented is uh, we call them the the uh, escal or like layover in English. And so every three months, we we basically fly everybody in uh, for the folks that are remote and the people in Montreal. We get together and um, we have a two day session of uh, presentation on the strategy, the results, a lot of team building stuff, and. We started doing that when we were like four employees, uh, which cost nothing because everybody was living in Montreal. But we, we've always prioritized that now that we're like 40, we still like put a lot of effort and, and money behind it because um, that's what created the, I, I feel that's what created the EV culture in a way and created those connections, especially now with remote work. Um, so every four times a year, it's quite, it's quite, a, it's, it's, it's quite a lot, but it's been, it's been a fantastic ritual. Yeah, I love that. Well, both, you know, I'm big, obviously big fan in the health practices. I, I, I say entrepreneurship is is like sport. You need to you need to eat well, train hard, sleep well, keep the stress low. You're just a, yeah. you're a better entrepreneur if you do those things. And uh, and so it, it shines through with what you shared. And uh, I also found success there, you know, on that we used to call it the uh, our sales and marketing summit, but quarterly, mm-hmm. every quarter, um, the whole sales and marketing team came together, flew everyone in. And it, even when we were, you know, the, the team, there would be 50 people, 60 people in, the, in those yeah. meetings. But 
Um, and, and a lot of it follows a governance cycle of a business like quarterly board meetings, you know, yeah. you refresh your strategy. Uh, everyone is, is really spoon fed on what's the next steps that are going to happen in the business and, and what's their part in it. And, and then can also contribute to it. So they feel like they're, they're, they're really part of the growth. I think that's the, that's the glue, you know? Um, and, and I guess in, in, the, in a high level, that's, that's that's working on the business uh, instead of working in the business, and a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. can get trapped into oh, I'm so busy pulling levers and doing things that I don't have time to strategically plan or or communicate properly. And so, uh, it, you know, it's uh, that's a good one, and I think that's uh, it is probably part of the foundation of, of the success is uh, is that. So um, yeah, and then and then depending on your culture, like that's you're gonna. You're going to map out your two days or one day retreat with, with different activities. And I think for us, like one of the core values is well-being. So since day one, like we always had like a yoga session, you know, in those two days. And if you don't want to participate, that's fine. You know, not, not everybody's into yoga, but you create that moment that you say, hey, you know, we, we fly everybody in and we value, you know, taking time for, for a set. We're not going to just like grind all day with meetings and stuff. Like we're just going to take some time, do some breathing exercise and stuff. So, so you, you, you map it out in a way that aligns with your values and the culture you want to be. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. We used to do uh, always fun activities, you know, health, health related activities, but fun, the best one, uh, you know, getting into dragon boat, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately at the end, I think we had like three uh, dragon boats with uh, 25 team members in each, but uh, you know, friendly competition. Was it a recurring thing? Like every retreat you did dragon boat? Uh, Well, we, we started, we did the full, we we brought the full team there on an, on an annual basis just because for, I think it was Mm. six, seven years we did it. Just, it was, it facilitated the, the whole concept of, Hey, we uh if we're all rowing in the same direction as a team we're going to get far and fast so the 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 instructors that were doing the dragon boat uh said hey you know if if only half of the people are are rowing uh or they row at a different speed or whatever your boat is off course not going anywhere Mm. and and, and it's it was it was just a good metaphor for business like we and then meetings after you could be part way through the year and say hey are we all rowing in the same direction on this? Like, let's let's uh, let, let's standardize, you know. And and I think those are some of the pieces as you, as you as you have a team that you, it's really about like how well the team works uh, works together. Um, and yeah. you got to make investments. That's not uh, it's not cheap to uh, to fly a team member nope. in or, or or take that time. And it, do you um, do you do you use facilitators for any of those sessions, or, or are you doing the who's who's leading the uh, who's leading the sessions? sometimes so um so this year we did we did in the format it was like a annual strategic retreat it was it was three days and and yes for for like annual planning like i i get a facilitator in because the first couple of years i was facilitating facilitating it and um and it was just a disaster because i was talking too much i was a you know center of the attention because I was running the show and we didn't didn't get anything good out of it because it was like basically the ideas I had before the meetings I was sort of presenting them and trying to get more out of it but anyway it was not working and we got in the facility this year and it was fantastic like just the best strategic session I had in seven years so big 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 believer for those type of strategic thing to get somebody uh, from the uh, from external yeah yeah uh, yeah I I agree I think when I was a CEO I um uh, you, could, you could just contribute less if you're if you're actually running the meeting yourself. Yeah. Maybe 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 a little overarching on your thoughts and beliefs. Where if you have a facility yeah. that just does that for a, a living, they can uh, they can add a tremendous amount of value, which 
uh, which now I can, I can, add, I can do some, I do some of that for portfolio companies because I'm, I'm not involved yeah. in, in the, in the discussion as much. Uh, uh, but I think that's key. Um, how about mentorship? What is, I guess, you know, I'd love to hear what mentorship means to you. Uh, if you've had mentors, uh, uh, as you were growing that, uh, that really were impactful in the business. Uh, uh, can you talk to us about that? Yeah. In, in the early days specifically. So I'd say the first three years, uh, I was just trying to get us, much help as i could like anybody that you know was working close or even remotely in the mar in the in the food space i i would i would try to have conversation and 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 i built an advisory board you know uh people that just you know volunteered and, and wanted to help us so first three years like really really helpful i think it, it, it was good but at the same time running after so many uh, opinions like something it was getting like really confusing um because there's no one there's not one way to, to to do things like we had discussion on price point for example and like you could have two totally different opinions uh and so at the end of the day you still had to make the call but it was it was getting us a, a lot of different perspective um but but it, it, like having four or five different advisors at some point was just too much so so we stopped doing that and then uh we did a, yeah, I talked about funding earlier, but we, we did a, a venture round on our, it was fifth year with renewal. And at that point we implemented a board, got in some great people, uh, entrepreneurs from the US, from Canada. And um, and that became a little bit my my place to have conversation about strategy. And, uh, and uh, but I'd say like, I don't have necessarily one mentor that I'm connecting it with him or her every, every two or three weeks or every four weeks. Uh, it's, it's, it's more on a quarterly basis. It's more, it's more part of the board uh, structure. I'd yeah, say, I mean, I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to find at some point a, a, a mentor that, that yeah, can be some of, some of a more recurring type of, of discussion and not only on the business, on a personal level as well, uh, it'd be it'd be something uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, it's key. You know, it's uh, I always say like someone that's done it before uh, can really help, even just with the vision of uh, of what good looks like, best practices. But mm -hmm. I think you said something key there that I, I say to a lot of founders like doesn't matter who your mentor is, what they've done before, it, their their ideas and their thoughts as an entrepreneur, you need to take those in and then see what fits for your business and what doesn't. Uh, yeah. I, see, I see too many founders that get a mentor and and uh and then and then they basically try to listen to everything they say you know and yeah. that, that doesn't always work out because there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different factors uh, to it but you know I, I found as a you know as an entrepreneur as i as i grew i wanted mentors that had and i found mentors that had specific disciplines like a sales mentor mm -hmm. a mentor an operations mentor uh, and then even a personal growth uh which you know i've been part of a young president's organization ypo or kind of mm -hmm. around me peer to peer mentors even that uh, that really helped me grow as a, as an executive when i was uh, uh scaling the business so and obviously you know founder to mentor all about mentorship trying to take some of that uh, and some yep. conversations to help people out, uh, uh, just because sometimes hearing some people's stories and what and what they did in the certain circumstance can uh, can help founders that are uh, that are going through it themselves. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's great what you do. Uh, really great because it's it's it creates a platform for people like you don't have to knock on doors to find a mentor. Like you can you can you can you can basically access your content and have a lot of uh, a lot of valuable uh, content and insights that that you'd get from conversation in a restaurant with a mentor but yeah basically bring accessibility to a lot of it yeah. 
Well, I, I realize that I have a, a probably unfair advantage to to uh, access to a number of great founders like yourself, mm -hmm. and you and you have uh, you have great lessons to share. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, appreciate appreciate you, you uh, taking the time. Is there any question that uh, that you wish that I uh, asked you that I that I didn't? I'd love to have the opportunity to to share a little bit, maybe the the, the vision of Aviv, like people. May may or may not know us from 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 the, the product we we have in the market and uh, so yeah I'd love uh, love to share that um, where where we're going basically yeah please yeah tell all us, right tell us what the future looks like yeah what the future looks like exactly exactly so we started like I said I, I told the story like wanted to make uh, nutritious functional smoothies really accessible um, and we realized like we we're, we're, we're pretty good at that. And so the, the future looks like for us is, is really expanding in other categories, but smoothie, smoothie related. So, uh, so uh, example, like next summer, we're, uh, we're, we're going to go into the novelties uh, uh, section still with the smoothie product. Um, so trying to capture other moments of your day. If you're not a smoothie drinker, you like it in the you know, liquid format, you can access all, access all the benefit of a smoothie, but in a different format. So that's how we're going to expand sort of our portfolio and, uh, and basically make it, making it a, a, as available as we can. So we're going after new channel, new distribution channel, uh, with new pricing strategy, especially now with the, with, you know, the, the recession, I don't know if they were in the recession or not, but. Uh, that's around the corner. Uh, trying to to hit a price point that that would that would be more attainable for uh, for people. Um, so new new distribution channel, new product line coming up, um, and we're all trying that through our D 2 C channel. So so uh, check check it out online. We're gonna have a lot of cool stuff coming up next year. Awesome. Yeah, lots of different ways to uh, to deliver a smoothie to uh, to someone. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys will. Uh... Get to play around and and uh, and see what really uh, really sticks there. Yeah, because we played in, we tried other categories. We tried uh, soups and cubes uh, two years ago. It, it didn't work. Um, we played with uh, muffin cubes muffin, as well. Yeah. yeah, so great ideas, but a bit a bit far from from our core from from smoothies. And we fig we, we we figured out like we need we need to like own smoothie first. You know everything that's related to smoothie. Uh, before we branch out into something that's further, because because going after something else it requires education, it requires marketing dollars, and if you're not willing to to put it, it, it you're just launching something that's going to die. That, that that's been a that's been a big big learning. Yeah, well, that's a good one. I mean, I, I think, and we didn't really get into innovation, but I'm, I'm so glad we covered it. Like you know, it's uh, what what's the brand known for? It's not known yeah. for putting putting uh, putting easy things into uh, in, into the cubes for people. It's it's making smoothies easier. So I'm sure that and just from you know, smoothie pops, smoothie bites, smoothie bars, yeah. all the different ways that, uh, that, that people can enjoy all the benefits uh, of, of, of smoothie just easier. And, uh, and if you can hit that price point, right. Um, because now it is, it, as the business grows, it's about how do you hit the mass customer, you know, not, yeah, just, exactly. not, not just a specialty customer. Exactly. Yeah. How, uh, if anyone wants to uh, to connect with you, Dom, what's the uh, what's the best way for them to, uh, to connect? Well, well, you, you've inspired me to 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 get on LinkedIn, so so yeah. now I'm 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 there and I'm there daily. Uh, so so LinkedIn would be a, a great place to connect. Yeah. yeah.
Awesome. Yeah. I'm a big, uh, big proponent of LinkedIn. And, uh, and so, yeah, anyone that uh, wants to reach out, maybe they'll look and message or connect with you there. Um, yeah. Again, I, I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, I know that, uh, that your story is going to uh, just you know, help other founders. So appreciate it. And, and yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity. It was a great chat, Mike. Thank you for listening to the founder to mentor podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out the links and resources in the show notes. You can help the show, please, by subscribing and leaving a positive review. As always, feel free to get in touch with me on social at Mike Fata. That's it for now. See you next time.